0: You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population, helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance, or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for series number two. This week I had on my first guest on the show. I was a little nervous interviewing someone for the first time. As for the last 10, it's just been me and if I've messed things up, I've been able to just stop and start again. My first guest for episode 11 was Juggie Sidhu, who is also known as the Indian body coach i follow Juggy now for quite a while on social media and his work is fantastic. Not just in terms of the content that he puts out, but the results he gets with his clients. A real, genuine, nice guy whose passion is very clear to see. And just like me, wants to educate and help people. He runs a very successful coaching business called the Lean Indian Academy, which empowers the Indian community to living a healthier lifestyle. So for me, Juggie was the perfect man for this podcast which is called Fat Loss Culture. We delve deep into how important it is to understand a person's culture when it comes to nutrition, how to deal with social occasions within the Indian community, and how you don't have to be a weirdo and take Tupperware to Indian weddings to lose weight. This was a great chat. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think any listeners who are from all cultures, all backgrounds will benefit from this one today. So without further ado, Let's get underway with series number two of the Fat Fix podcast, episode 11, Fat Loss Culture with Mr. Juggy Sidhu. Hi, Juggie.
1: Hey, man. How you doing?
0: I'm good, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast, mate.
1: Yeah, that's a privilege, bro. Thank you very much for inviting me on.
0: First guest, no pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling it, I promise.
0: This first one for me interviewing anyone as well, mate. So if I'm shit as well, then it's, it's all good. I'll
1: be sure to let yeah, I'll let you know as we go through. <laughs> I'll just anyway, start judging you?
0: Yeah, start judging me on it. Today's podcast is called Fat Loss Culture, and today's guest is Juggy Sidhu, known as the Indian Body Coach. If you want to give yourself a brief introduction, mate, tell the listeners who you are, a little bit about yourself, and we can get cracking from there.
1: Yeah, well, where to start, man? Where to start? Um, Okay, so I started studying nutrition over a decade ago. So I went to university and and started studying it. Um, It would always been a passion in my life. And I think probably from the the first moment my dad was kind of diagnosed with diabetes, I started to realize how powerful nutrition and training and lifestyle could actually be uh, to an individual's health. And that's probably one of the, the kind of main reasons I got into this kind of industry in the first place. Uh, to kind of help people in a, in a kind of similar sort of uh, circumstance. Um, yeah, I've, I've been through quite a lot of different phases of my kind of career so far, you know, doing like the old physique competitions and bodybuilding and taking things to like crazy extremes um, and then kind of bringing it back to why I started in the first place in the last kind of three to four years where we're really focusing more on health and uh, getting people into a better position in terms of their health, their happiness and their confidence um, but yeah, you know, you've been following me on social media for a while. So you know I'm all about kind of education and continued learning. And it's really cool to be, you know, in this space now where we can, you know, interact with people with very similar kind of mindsets to us. Um and you're definitely one of them, man. I mean, I've been following your work for a while and I can see what you're doing. And I really respect your kind of mindset towards um helping people.
0: Oh uh, yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons why I got you on as well, is because I want people on that, you know, I believe that we're on the same page with what we do and mm. share a genuine passion, just at the end of the day, just to helping people. I didn't actually yeah. know that about your dad, mate. Is that such a really powerful why to get into the industry. That's pretty cool that mm. you, you've got something that drives you so much to hopefully empower others and, you know, like you said, learn a lot more about what with your dad having diabetes and how that could mm. kind of linking to obviously lots of other people that suffer from it as well how you can use that to help you help the others. this is the thing
1: with my dad like he's got late onset type 1 diabetes so it was an autoimmune problem and it was actually caused by like if you looked at his lifestyle back then because and i guess if there's any kind of asians listen to this um they'll probably relate but kind of our parents the the generation above us and even the generation above them uh, my grandparents, all they've ever known is work, work, work and provide for the family. And, you know, you, you kind of put yourself last, like your your health and your importance is like the lowest on the priority list. Um And he was he was working himself to the bone. Like he was getting up at like four in the morning, traveling to work and then get home at like 10 p.m. at night uh, and just nonstop, constantly, even through the weekends as well. And it just got to the point where his health just gave up on him, like something had to give. Um, and I think that was like a massive turning point just within the family, and in my own kind of mind mindset towards this, um, just towards how how much of a, an impact our choices can have on our health and, and our lifestyles, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. That that's something what obviously leads on nicely to what we want to speak about today is mm-hmm. I wanted to obviously talk about culture and how that is so important for everyone to understand, especially in the nutrition in the nutrition world, that people need to understand that what they may have been eating for many years as a family, as a culture, ethnicity, plays a massive part. And what a lot of people do, and what I've seen, is they feel they need to give up that, or at least fight against it to get the body composition that they actually want, when that is certainly, certainly not the case. And that's something that I know that you've probably had a lot of experience in. That's why I got you on the show to speak about what you do with the Lean Indian Academy, and obviously that's your niche, right, working with Indians, and I really, really would love to delve a little bit deeper into what are people's issues with, with nutrition? What have they done wrong? What barriers have they come up against within that culture that really does potentially hinder their progression, and how do they overcome it?
1: Yeah, I think one of the first things to really kind of note upon is, you know, most people are looking for that body composition – but in reality, they're nowhere they're nowhere near that goal. Like especially when they first start out, like they say, okay, I wanna look like I've got abs, I wanna look strong, I wanna build muscle. But when you look at their lifestyle, you look at where they're currently at, you start looking at their health markers. And I I know that you take these markers too, things like blood pressure, for example, and you see where their goals are and where they're currently sitting, and you're like, mate, your blood pressure's massively through the roof right now. Maybe we focus on that first before we start thinking about abs. And then I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of people face is just by not having that understanding as to where they're starting from, they're willing to go and rush into an extreme straight away. And an extreme is usually going down the whole nutrition pathway of, okay, I'm just going to cut everything out that I really like to eat. I'm just going to stop eating with my family. I'm going to stop eating the foods that I've grown up with. You know, I'm just going to turn my back on all that. And then like within three, three days, sometimes (laughs) three weeks, they're like, I can't do this. Like, this is too difficult. Like it, you know, this is not sustainable. It's not something that I can actually adhere to. And I think that's when people start taking backward steps. And I think it's just trying to get people that understanding that you don't need to go to these extremes. Most of what we eat is not bad in itself. And I think that whole notion of good and bad foods is just something that we really need to explore.
0: Exactly, I hate the good and bad foods. It's, you know, and I do say this to a lot of people as well. I, you know, I've dealt with people from all over the world. I've worked in Dubai, so I was dealing with, you know, lots of different cultures. And for me to have the audacity to turn around and say to them, "Yeah, mate, you know, you can't have rice anymore. You can't <laughs> have bread anymore," and that's what yeah. some of the trainers that I work with used to do. And I'm like, "You, you fucking serious, mate?" Like, oh man, yeah, but been the thing is, this way for years.
1: Yeah, I, but I used to be. You know, when I went through my bodybuilding phase, so yeah, when I was yeah. literally physique competition. But you, I think, I think when I was posting on my social media, then I would attract a certain type of individual that wanted to get into that sort of shape. Yeah, and it would be, and even I would say, like, no, you can't have that. That's yeah. that's not good. That's not going to help you. But it, it's almost that edu- Like it's been a kind of journey for me as well, as well as an educational process to say, hold on a second like these foods are not inherently bad. They're not going to cause any kind of issues. It's probably, well, usually the quantity of the foods that you consume in, um, as opposed to the actual type of food itself. But I've been there, man. I, I was once that guy that was like, no, you can't eat that stuff. <laughs> that, that that Indian food's going to cause weight gain. And I, I would even, there was even a point in my career where I was sitting around a the table. There's about three or four kind of coaches. We were all working at the same gym, gym at the time. And one of the guys was talking about one of his Indian clients saying that he'd gone gone to a wedding and he'd eaten this and he'd eaten that and uh, no wonder he can't lose weight. And I was like, at the time, I was like, yeah, what an idiot. How how dare dare he go to an Indian wedding and eat the food that's available? (laughs) Like, you look back on that sort of stuff now and I'm just like, no way did I say that. No way did I think that. But again, we're we're all conditioned. And at that point in my life, I was conditioned to believe that Food is bad. Like this type of food is bad. This type of food is good, and we've got to educate, man. Because if if that's me with sitting there with a university degree in nutrition, thinking that food is good or food is bad, like there's a massive amount of education that we need to get out there into the world to change that perception. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. I think I've been there myself as well. Where you kind of turn into that robotic PT, and Mm. like I said, I've been there when I started in the industry. You know, you get most of your education from <laughs> when you first start from these shitty magazines. I remember <laughs> university, I think I had every men's health magazine known to mankind. Yeah. I was preaching that shit to myself, my uni mates, everyone else. And then probably when I started in the industry, I took that education because that's all I had. And it wasn't yeah. until I started dealing with everyday people, people like my mum, that I thought to myself, What a dick. Like yeah. w- w- why are you giving this advice? What, like you said about the wedding? Imagine, yeah. imagine someone saying to you, you go to a wedding and you've got to what you're gonna do? Take some Tupperware to a wedding? <laughs> <You>
1: know,
0: it's <laughs> That's crazy, man.
1: It's crazy.' But I put a post up this morning just literally talking about it. yeah 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 the Indian wedding food. The amount of comments below that where people are saying yeah I'm just gonna take my Tupperware and I'm like Well, I did used to do that when I was competing, when I was literally about two, three weeks out from getting on the stage. But the people that are posting that they're taking Tupperware to weddings, these guys are not athletes. These guys are not physique athletes. And I'm like, what has conditioned you to the point that now, even though I've given you the information, you still think that that's something you need to do just to get around it. And that's why I keep saying, like, it's all about education. The more people can understand the better decisions, more informed decisions they can make, and then that's when they become empowered. But yeah, I think there's a huge, huge amount of education that still needs to be provided to these people.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. It's it's that notion of extreme, and that's what a lot of people feel that they need to do. And like you mentioned before, saying somebody wants some abs, and it's like where you are right now is not anywhere near where you envision yourself being. So you need to start taking the actions of where you are right now, which is potentially very, very basic, and builds yourself yeah, like... up to thinking about taking Tupperware to a wedding, which in <laughs> any scenario, apart from, like you said, stepping on stage, I don't think anyone, apart from the minus 1%, actually need to do that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I think, like, some of the most basic things that I see is, can you, you know, getting people to just write down what they eat on a day-to-day basis? Like, if you actually look at what people eat, it's not inherently bad all of the time. But like I said before, it's usually just the quantity of food that's being consumed for an individual that's most likely sitting in, in an office job most of the day. And then they're there piling up like three or four portions worth of food into one meal. And it's just like, we need to look at that. We need to review those kind of almost the emotional attachments to these foods. Because that's why people are overeating is most people are just binge eating at the end of the day because of their emotions or their stress that they're going through on a day-to-day basis. But I think just getting people to actually write down what they eat and how they feel after eating it, that's just a huge step forward. there's, There's no calorie tracking at that point. There's no macro tracking. There's no seeing how much protein you've consumed. Just write down what you're eating.
0: Yeah, it's making people more aware, isn't it? Like taking some responsibility for how you are eating. And people do who do write food diaries. I find it kind of scares them a little bit, where they think, "Fuck, I didn't realise that I actually ate that much food. I don't didn't realise that my my four lattes a day cont- uh, contain two hundred <laughs> calories per latte, yeah. and I'm you know, yeah. you know I'm smashing four of them, and I'm like, yeah, you, you're eating potentially." More than half your caloric intake from bloody lattes, and yeah, it's yeah. not until they start that's, that's... realizing the principles of fat loss, energy balance, till they start understanding this rather than the restriction. Because we know that restriction for general pop doesn't really work very well. It's all about that. It is t- to do with flexible. I don't like the word flexible dieting as such. It seems to be a popular trend right now, right? But at the end of the day that's how it should be, it should be flexible you should be able to go to a wedding and enjoy yourself and then just get back on track don't let it beat you up for the rest of the week and that's what a lot of people do, yeah. they come to me and go, oh, I've had a, I had a night out and we, we had some pizzas and, and I'm just like it's not the problem that you had the pizza or the beer it's your reaction to that problem yeah. so it, yeah, your absolutely. reaction is what's fucking you up for the rest of the week and your mindset towards it Because if I do that, I just get back on track the next day. It's habitual. I just go back to the plan, go back to ticking the boxes and doing the right things daily that are in line with my goal and asking myself each day is what I what have I done today in line with where Hmm. I want to be.
1: Exactly. And I think that's why, you know, when people do start a journey, say with myself, you know, through the kind of online coaching process that we run, it's usually people saying, Can I have a meal plan? And I ask them what they think, what's, what are they gonna gain from this meal plan that they're asking for? And it's like, I just wanna know what to eat every single day. So I need to know what my breakfast is, I wanna know what my lunch is, and I wanna know what my dinner is. And then you just think about that, like who is gonna sit there and eat the same foods every single day of the week? Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, Who's gonna stick to that for a long period of time? Like, for me, that sounds really, really limiting. And for me, that sounds boring and I don't think I could do it personally. So I think there's that whole concept around meal plans and like sticking to them and adherence and also the, the mindset towards what you do if you can't stick to it. And although, yeah, like this whole flexible dieting trend, I, I understand the concept behind it. And I think it's, it's a great concept, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just making smarter decisions for most people and making more informed decisions. And I think that's where people are lacking. It's either all or nothing. It's either, you know, 100% or it's absolutely zero. And if we can just find that middle ground, most people would be progressing in terms of their body shapes or progressing in terms of their health journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, it is that mentality, like say, it's all or nothing. And it's something that people need to really start understanding. And not only that, people put a name on absolutely everything these days. And the, (laughs) the common sense has just kind of come out of it. And That's what Mm. I try to teach my clients. It's just a common sense approach and actually educating people why they are in this position right now, rather than what they actually need to do. It's like looking at the days a little bit more. Let's start looking why you've gained a lot of weight. Let's start looking at that and then we can come up with answers rather than just me writing you a rigid meal plan when I don't know you yet. I don't know anything about your lifestyle just yet. And this is what annoys me when people sell these rigid meal plans because they don't take into consideration the individual who's actually doing it. They'll just get a PDF document, eat this chicken and broccoli, eat this, eat this, and you don't know the individual's lifestyle. You don't don't know anything. You've got to really, really unravel that with clients to find what actually makes them tick. And ultimately, like you've mentioned a few times, what drives adherence because you could do the best diet plan in the world for people if it doesn't, they don't stick to it, and they hate it. It's the worst diet plan in the world, yeah. and it's the same with training exactly. as well.
1: Exactly, I, I completely, one hundred percent agree. I mean, I had a, a consultation. This is a genuine consultation that I had yesterday uh, with a female who's trying to lose a little bit of weight, and I'm not, I'm not talking like get very, very lean. I'm just talking about losing a little bit of weight. And currently, she's doing an intermittent fasting approach. She's doing a an intermittent fasting keto approach, which is glu- gluten free and dairy free. Wow! And I was just, I was just like, um, where do I start? <laughs> like, I don't, I genuinely didn't know where to start because the notion that these things are going to have a magic impact on on her ability to lose weight, it's like, like where do you actually start to change somebody's beliefs on this? Like, again, I can write her a gluten free, dairy free <laughs> keto intermittent fasting diet but it's just it's it's somebody's beliefs around what they're doing that will have a massive impact on their ability to be successful in it too and i just think there's so many things out there like you said so many diets that have got specific names and they're they're telling you they're kind of forcing you down different channels because that's the best way to achieve a goal there's so many different ways to skin the cat there's so many different ways and i think we just need to start breaking down those barriers towards what's going to be a successful approach. And I think again, if you if you look at the kind of population that I work with, it's usually the guys and the ladies that will say, "I want to, you know, I want to achieve X goal by X date, and I will do anything it takes to achieve it." And then there's no long term planning once that's gone, like once that goal is actually passed. Let's say somebody sets themselves a twelve week goal. What about what about the week after that? <laughs> what about the t- after that? What about the the next year? What about the next 50 years of your life after that 12-week goal? I think not enough people are thinking about that and they're just thinking about that short-term approach.
0: Yeah, everybody has that mentality, don't they? And I I do think uh, with society that we live in, we do get everything fast and we, we just tap our phone on Amazon like, Claudia, my girlfriend, ordered a dress the other day it was literally here in like two hours, and I'm like, "What? That's ridiculous!" I'm like, I'm, like "I'm sure you ordered that like two minutes, <laughs> two minutes ago." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's um, ASOS, sorry." And I'm just like, "Wow!" And I think everybody has the same mentality with with how they're looking as well. It's this, and obviously, I slag a lot of these fad diets off because people, I get, I actually get why people do it. It's not like mm. I don't, um slagging them off. I did a podcast on it recently about uh, fad diets and it's not the people that I'm blaming for wanting things fast it's the people who do know about this stuff are promoting it. The um, yep. the education just isn't there because it isn't it isn't sexy. People will read a, an Instagram post from myself talking about sustainability and for some reason the word sustainability makes people lose their heads. I say this to clients all the time. I'll say we're going to take this approach, you know, it's a little bit sustainable. I want it to be long-term. I don't want you piling on the weight again. You know, you've had a history of yo-yo dieting. So we want to keep this off. And a lot of people, are like, they they look at me like, you know, I've got a TV on my head. They're like, they're just like, oh, um, uh, okay, Oh, is that what we're going to do? And I'm like, well, yeah. And basically my response will be back to them because clearly what you've been doing for the last 15, 20 years has not worked some people might be offended by that but that's what the education and the real talk people need to hear it's like well yes we'll go on an aggressive approach you'll lose loads of weight but then what you're going to come and see me again in three months time because you you've piled it all back on again because you're just so impatient looking for things so fast and you disrespect sustainability
1: well this is a, almost the exact conversation i had with a client that i started with recently. Who's been juicing and has been on a juice diet for a while? And he said, Oh, it's really, really good. It's, you know, I've lost X amount of weight on it. Um, but then I put the weight back on and, you know, probably put a little bit more on top of that. And I just asked him, I was like, Do you really think that was a good approach to take? And he was adamant, Yeah, felt so good off it, felt so healthy, lost so much weight. And I was like, But why aren't you still doing that now then? So if it was so good, why are you st- not still juicing? <laughs> Why isn't that your thing? And he was like, I just couldn't stick to it. And I was like, oh, there's that word. You couldn't stick to it. That's sustainability. Oh, okay, yeah, now I see what you mean. And it, and it just came back to the fact that, okay, so what have you been doing since you've been juicing? Well, I, went I ate all the foods that I haven't been able to eat, I eat for the last 12 weeks. Okay, so what sort of foods were they? Oh, you know, like the Indian foods, you know, the foods that my mom cooks, the foods that my, my, my missus makes, I haven't been able to eat that for a while. So I've started to eat all that. Okay. So have you noticed that potentially those portion sizes that you're now consuming, which are foods that you can continue to eat. Did you notice that they crept up because of the fact you've restricted yourself so much from them? Yeah, actually I was eating four with when I could have just had one. And it's like, okay, well, this is a mindset we can now work with because you've just worked out for yourself that you've just, you know, you've been heavily restricting yourself And now these foods that you've been saying that you're not allowed to have, you're now introducing, but you're eating like quadruple the amount. And I think that's a really kind of powerful way to work through with somebody to get them to understand themselves that you can still eat the normal foods that you enjoy. You can still eat the cultural foods that you you like to eat and you've grown up eating. And it's not going to have a negative impact to your health or to your body composition. And I think the other thing is like this whole gluten-free thing. I mean, you look at the Indian diet, there is gluten within the Indian diet. The dairy thing, there's a fair amount of dairy within the Indian diet. In fact, most of the vegetarians that I work with, if they dairy, they probably wouldn't be consuming any protein within yeah. the Indian diet. So It's just trying to get people to just work back and start taking more kind of, you know, what would you say? Oh, I don't like to use certain words, but just having a, a kind of a wider kind of vision towards what they're doing in terms of just saying a singular thing is gonna have a, a detrimental impact on their health. Um, I, I read a post recently where someone was basically slagging off dairy as a cause for type two diabetes. And this is quite a renowned kind of figure within the Indian community. And I was just like, how, how are these people allowed to post this stuff? Like, How is that even allowed to go into to the world where people read that information and then dramatically change their diets on the back of it and potentially cause even further detrimental effects to their health because of it especially vegetarians man Uh, they're they're difficult enough to get protein into their (laughs) diet as it is
0: no yeah exactly them them type them type of people they they have the it's like a they want to set up a battle between the life that they've been leading for many years and this new life they want to create and and it is like a battle between the two. Like you mentioned with your client there who, went, who was on a juice diet and then goes back to his old way. He probably had a wedding. <laughs> he probably couldn't do his juice at the yeah. wedding. And he probably, okay, okay. he probably found himself like, shit, all this good food here and I ain't got my juices in my bag.
1: <laughs> no, he, did, he probably didn't have a point for his bullet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's this people setting themselves up in this way. They're leading themselves to just disaster down the line.
1: Exactly, man. I think you've kind of touched upon it on that whole instant gratification culture too. Like it takes time to learn about food. And most people aren't willing to spend that five, 10 minutes a day to learn about the foods that they're consuming. And I'm, I'm not talking having like like an encyclopedia of kind of calories and macros and micronutrients, but just to like write down and understand their food diary or put it into a, a nutrition software something like MyFitnessPal or Chronometer, but people aren't spending the time doing these things because they they think they're too busy. When usually what I say to these people that think they're too busy to actually start writing down the foods that they're consuming is, if I followed you around all day long like a stalker, would I find five minutes in your day for you to write this stuff down or start tracking this information? I think it's important to learn. It's important to go through this process knowing that this is a learning and educational process as well. You're not here to follow. You're not a sheep. You need to take control of your health. And one of the best ways to do that is through nutrition. One of the best ways to do that is just through writing down the foods you're consuming. Start to understand the foods that you consume a little bit better. I mean, I posted a, a recipe of a chicken curry, and I put over the calories and the macros, and people are looking at it like, oh, I thought it was a lot worse than that. I was like, it's not worse than that. It's just because you're either eating double the amount (laughs) or you're using using ingredients within this that aren't potentially necessary for the taste. But it's again, it's a cultural thing that we're used to eating a lot more oils within the foods that we don't necessarily need to add to the food. But I guess it's again, just kind of breaking down this barrier of education that it's okay to eat these foods. Maybe we'll adapt them slightly. They'll still taste absolutely amazing. But we don't need to as- eat as much oil in them or we don't need to eat as much as we put on our plate. And even culturally, man, like I had a client say this the other day, he went to a family occasion. He's lost, I think it was about 20-something kilos now. And people in the room were saying how unhealthy you looked. Oh, but he man. said to me, he's never, ever had that, con- that, that conversation with somebody for- before where they were like, yeah, you look unhealthy. And he was like 120 something kilos man
0: they said he was one half
1: yeah this is it's it's an insane viewpoint from some asian perspectives that the bigger the better and yeah yeah it makes sense. yeah it, it kinda of makes sense going back culturally because if you were back in india and you were you were big and you were overweight it kind of suggested that you were rich mm. because you could afford all Whereas, you know, now, like, people are taking this to the extreme. They're still big. They're still overweight. They're living in the UK and they're being judged as healthy for being bigger and unhealthy for when they lose all the weight. Yeah. I just, I it's just that whole mindset, that cultural mindset towards health and and just general kind of lifestyle and nutrition that we need to back away from or we need to be more aware of.
0: That's a really, really good point, mate. I've had a lot of clients like that as well, um different cultures, I had a, a client who was um, Egyptian and he lost. He came to me for a 12 week transformation, lost a lot of body fat, he was already in quite good shape, he played a lot of football and stuff, so he was only relatively lean and then basically he dropped his body fat right down and then when he used to go and see his mum, his mum was trying to feed him, saying he looked too skinny and he looked, he looked really ill. And he was coming back to me and, and he was like, my mum says I look ill. And he did, didn't really have the education behind it as such, but I was just yep. speaking to him and explain what you've just said, really. I was like, it's going to be like that. You know, your mum, you know, bless her, you know, she's probably absolutely loves the food. You know, you're going to get the yep. family around. She's going to be asking everyone what they want to eat. You know, that you can't have enough food on your plate. And that that's I get that and that's a lovely thing. And but when he kind of understood that and understood that's how culturally been brought up, he kind of started to understand it a little bit more and I was just laughing, yeah. saying, Your mum's gonna say that, mate. You're getting you're getting lean now. Mum's, you know, they're so caring. My mum had said the same for me, you know, if I went in. and funnily enough, that's done in a in a nice, caring way. I don't think there's any yes malicious intent in that at, at all, but on the opposite side of things, you do, speaking about like, social pressure and things like that, you do get a lot of people that do say to the friends oh, you're looking too skinny, oh, you're looking, and they wouldn't bat an eyelid if they walked in with a kebab and a bottle of Coke, <laughs> but they they literally yeah. pull the face if they've got a chicken salad and a bottle of water.
1: Yeah, one of the funniest things for me was, I, I remember being very very lean probably like a week out from going on uh, going on stage uh, for a competition and somebody said to my wife like are you not feeding him like (laughs) do you not feed him anymore and she was just like he eats six times a day I'm in the kitchen constantly cooking for him but he's just you know trying to explain to an older kind of Indian auntie to (laughs) explain yeah he's he's got a six pack or he's got abs he's got veins popping out of his arms but he still eats six times a day like it's a very different kind of cultural. It's a very different kind of, um, I guess, background around you know body composition and what somebody should look like. Um, but yeah, I think there's lots of little battles like that that do need to be broken down in society, especially in the Indian society about what we need to really take care of. I mean, I mentioned my dad earlier and the, the kind of pressure that he put on himself you know, to get to a certain level in his career so he could you know, give us the education that, we, that he never got. Um, And I think there's that whole kind of pressure that we put on ourselves, whether it's finances, whether it's our car, whether it's our house, trying to show everybody else how how great things are, but then not really taking care of the things that matter in terms of our personal health. And I think there's, again, there's so many kind of cultural elements to this that we do need to start looking at, especially if we want to start moving forwards as a, a kind of society and not be, not succumb to things like high blood pressure and, cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes really medications for cholesterol medications for depression i think there's just so much that we need to start looking at um and yeah it, it is kind of taking a step back from what's normal within our culture
0: it's it's funny really because what i was just thinking then as you were speaking i was thinking from a psychological point of view talking about the community the indian community talking about food and you know eat more food, don't look too lean, they've actually got it in a way right that they're not becoming body obsessed, like current yeah. society is dragging people to be, so for that standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, it's fantastic, don't be an absolute boring loser trying to be lean all year <laughs> round, and, and yeah. embrace what you've, you know, talking about, I did a post on body image yesterday, you know, At the end of the day, you know, life isn't about being on one big diet. We know that. And there is more to life than how you look. But at the same time, from what you've mentioned, culturally, you probably, they probably, the psychological aspect is great. You know, I love that shit. But it's more the physiological stuff as a byproduct that is going wrong. So, like you said, with high blood pressure. You know, blood sugars all over the show, things like that. That also needs to be taken into consideration. And if you can match the two together, keep that same psychology around it all, but also at the same time take care of your health, then you'll you'll be you'll be laughing. You'll have the best of both worlds because in current society, people's psychology is so messed up, and that's what's causing problems physiologically as well. So, at least from a culture point of view it's good to have the one side, the psychological aspect, a bit more relaxed within the health and fitness, <laughs> yeah. which which you can't knock, as, essentially, as well.
1: Bro, I th- but I think it, unfortunately, does go both ways because I think there's a perception of how a male should look right. and potential potential, of, uh, potential kind of perception of how a female should look.
0: Ah, okay. And
1: I think, yeah, there, there's also almost a bit of a divide there where it's okay for a guy to put on, like, 15 20 kilos wants to get married but if a female does that after having kids it's like oh what's wrong with her like your sister-in-law she bounced back really quickly after having kids what's wrong with you so I think there's it's almost like a dangerous thing like the psychology of body image it goes both ways depending on genders Mm. and I think there is so much pressure on females to look a certain way within the Indian culture and again like I don't know if you've heard about the kind of Indian mother law, mother-in-law sort of kind of scenarios. Like, it's not always the nicest relationship. And I, that's being quite broad and generalistic because, you know, my miss and my mom would get on really well. But there's a kind of old-school mentality towards being a mother-in-law and judging the daughter. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a weird one when we start looking at, when we start going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I did a, a recent seminar. We had an, an event on for the... Uh, Lean Indian Academy members and I actually had one of the psychologists that we work with who's working really closely with our community and she came down she did some mindfulness she did some meditation um, and she talked about kind of cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy and it was just so interesting to see how much of a role kind of psychology does play into people's decisions make decision making on a daily basis so you know we, we go back to things like food diaries for example understanding the choices that you're making and why you're making it. Like Dr. sandu Sandhu, like she's currently, I think, giving you a lecture in Harvard, at Harvard University. So she's over there at the moment. But we were talking a bit about just understanding your state of mind when you're making certain decisions to do with foods or to do with why you're not exercising, why you're not moving or why you're spending your whole weekend in bed instead of getting up and getting out there. And I think like psychology will just play a huge role when we start to get a bit more self-awareness. It has a massive impact in our health and our decision making on a day-to-day basis.
0: I think personally, psychology is the big one for everybody that I've worked with. I think a lot of people have got this war going on within the head and that was actually my very first podcast was lose weight in your head. Because that's what I that's what I believe people need to do before they can start embarking on getting the body to where they envision it to be or where they want it to be. It's because people are so bloody harsh on themselves and people don't understand the whys behind things. So this is what mm. I want to teach people when they do say to me, Oh, I'm hungry, I'm feeling fatigue I want to relay back to them why is that happening, especially when they're dieting, Mm. you know, rather than just saying the whole, okay, you need to eat less, you need to eat less, you need to eat less, calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit. (laughs) It's like, okay, yes, we know that is the first law of thermodynamics. We know that. And I'm sure they know that. And most people who are overweight know that they probably need to eat a little bit less and move a little Mm. bit more. However, we need to get a little bit deeper with these people potentially and find out what is going on potentially inside the head with help from, like you said, psychologists to help them understand why they are in this position right now. And I keep relating back to that term because that's, for me, something that I want to learn more about is sitting down with an individual and a client and looking through their lifestyle and actually educating them why they're in this position. And what I found, uh-huh. it actually helps them so much more to unravel it. And it doesn't turn into some kind of, they, they don't believe that it's just one big myth. And that's what a lot of people yeah. seem to think. They think that like weight loss is a big myth. It, for them, they just can't do it. Um, you know, they just make every excuse potentially for themselves in their own head why they can't do it. But until they get sat down with a professional and we start educating them on the reason why they gain weight, why that they, they find that they over consume calories, why they have no motivation to train, that's when the ball really starts rolling, where we can start picking away and changing that mentality and getting them ultimately belief in themselves.
1: Uh, bro, I think everything you've just said there is just absolutely incredible. I mean, I'd even take it back to like, why are you coming to see me? I, to be honest, that's the, one of the first questions that I'll ask somebody once we pick up the phone and um, we're talking about their goals. And then I ask them, why do you want to achieve that goal? And usually it's met by complete and utter silence. Like, um, why do I want to lose 20 kilos? Um, because that's what you're meant to do. <laughs> it's like, no, but why? Why do you want to lose 20 kilos? What is this going to bring to your life? And there's been some people at that point well, we don't talk again because that was too much of a challenging question to ask them to start start the journey off with. Like it brought too much pain up for them to actually understand why they want to lose twenty kilos. And I think that is just in itself. It's just take things back to why you want to do things in the first place, so you're not creating that inner turmoil when you start making these better choices. For example, you know, like dropping a dropping a few rugby off your even a meal. Do you know what that is? Or am I just saying words that... What, you said "roth, Do you know what... Yeah, yeah, oh. you know
0: roughness. Oh,
1: mate, of course I do, yeah. <laughs> so asking some people to do that, you know, like, can you do this? Can you start limiting certain portion sizes and stuff? But that in itself is creating a level of inner turmoil for some people because they've become so attached to these certain traits in their behavior that asking them to stop doing that and it's creating so much stress within them they're like, I can't do that. I've got, to, I've got to quit. But I think, yeah, just going back to why you're doing what you're doing in the first place, it's a huge, huge step.
0: That powerful reason why I do the same, mate, with my clients. It's when someone comes in and says, "I just want to lose some weight." It's like, but, but why? Like, what, what is it that you want to? What is so powerful that's going to get you out of bed in the morning? What's so powerful mm. that when your alarm goes off to come and see me, you're going to do it? What's that? in your head that's going to tell you to opt for this food over opt for this food or whatever it may be because there is obviously some element of dedication and there's going to be some trade-offs in the process especially if someone wants to lose a lot of weight we know that but it's not until that why in their head kind of is set in stone and I do say that with a lot of the clients is let's set a destination in place First, let's look. Let's look short-term destination. Get there rather than looking necessarily too far ahead, because that's what yeah. a lot of people do. Like you said before, with have clients who just want a six-pack, and it's like if you're just chasing something that at the moment is so far away, you're gonna just feel like demotivated because it's such a long time to you are actually getting there. And I found that especially with clients that are quite overweight because they are quite overweight. When they do lose a lot of weight, they're still overweight. So mm. for them, they have this mentality of that they're not getting anywhere, especially if I just had this long-term weight loss goal for them where I just said, right, 100 pounds. That, for them, may seem so far away because they could lose 20 pounds and then get this heart and that they've still got 80 to lose. And I'm yeah. and I'm like, why? You've lost 20 pounds. You you so much closer to your destination than what you ever was. If we just had the focus on hundred, 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 like yeah. let's just focus on losing twenty, and then we'll make set a new destination and we'll go again, and then we'll set a new one and we'll go again, and before you know it, eventually you'll be there with the help of having this powerful why that you set yourself in place, no matter what that may be. And obviously, we're not just necessarily talking fat loss here. We could like you said, someone like like your dad who needed to improve the health so he could be around longer enough to play with his grandkids. Hmm. And yeah. that is absolutely. absolutely powerful and people neglect that because they just say, I want to lose £10. And it's like, "What? why? <laughs> why do you want to lose £10? It's got to be a little bit more powerful than that, in my opinion, because that's not what's going to make you be adherent and consistent when times do get a little bit tough.
1: Absolutely, man. I, again, I think... When people set themselves a very specific goal, like I want to lose 10 pounds and they don't have that reason why, like people do extreme stuff to achieve that goal. Like they will do horrible, horrible things to go and lose that 10 pounds. You know, again, like people starving themselves, just not eating anything. People training like three, four hours a day and then not doing anything in terms of recovery. Like there's there's so many different extremes that people go to to achieve something but they don't understand their reason why. And again, you can say to somebody like, "Okay, so why do you want to lose X?" And they say, oh, "It's because I want to get healthy." And then you start to look at what they're doing to try and do that, and it's definitely the complete antithesis of health. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think there's so many different things that we need to like take into consideration when starting somebody up on a journey like this.
0: It's pulling the strings, isn't it? Like like you said, people will say, oh, "I want to lose ten pounds because I, w- I want to be I want to be healthier," and then what they're doing is just not in conjunction with that. (laughs) The one person says they want to be healthy, that they'll go to like three spinning classes a day and absolutely run themselves into the ground. And I'm like, do you know that you can achieve what you want to achieve without such extremes that, let's face it, you're not going to be able to sustain forever. Like there's no way you can have this mentality of extreme because extreme only lasts a short period of time. You know, you're know you going to get these momentary, momentary results where you, you lose 10 pounds. And then there's no way that steam train can just keep going and going and going yeah. before you hit a wall. And the body is not not daft and it will do anything and everything in its power to return back to where it used to be and pull you back yeah. into where it was comfortable. And that was comfortable being when you – Go back to your normal lifestyle. Eat the foods that we've mentioned on today's today's show. You're just going to accumulate the body weight and some more, and it's going to be a vicious, vicious circle of you just living your life, wanting to lose weight, <laughs> and that's what a lot oh, of people yeah. do. It's, it baffles yeah. me, and it's quite sad to see a lot of people are just they're always trying to lose weight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, this is it. I think some some people are literally they spent. 15, 20 years trying to lose weight and it's literally, it's at the forefront of their mind when they wake up in the morning, when they go to bed at night, they're just thinking about that one thing. They've created such a stress around this one aspect of their life. They're not able to see how great their life is, like whether it's their job, whether it's their family, whether it's their kids, it doesn't actually, they don't actually feel that gratitude towards the things they've got because they're so obsessed with losing weight as an example. But yeah, I think uh, again, that's a, another psychological kind of um, journey we could go down.
0: It is, it is all to do with that, and like you say, it is a rabbit, it is a rabbit hole, and we could literally go on all day about people's struggles. And but it was really, really great today, mate, to jump into a little bit about what you do. And how important it is to take into consideration people's cultures, understand that you don't need to go to extremes. You don't need to cut out things you enjoy to get to where you want to be. And it's like you say, it's having that obsession with something so much. So you don't appreciate the good things that's actually happening in your life and appreciating the good things in your life. Like appreciating going to a friend's house and, Having all this wonderful tasting food is an absolute privilege. However, Mm. it's not about going against that, so much so that you, you know, you like taking Tupperware to your family's house, but it's just having the education and understanding the principles rather than seeking all these crazy methods that everybody's selling. Because at the end of the day, the principles of losing body fat are are the same. And it's all the exactly. methods that people are selling and putting in people's faces that are the real issue for a lot of people. Absolutely.
1: I think you summarized that absolutely perfectly, bro.
0: Juggy, do you want to just, uh, before we finish up, just tell the listeners where they can find you and what you do and a bit, a tiny bit about the Lean Indian Academy? Yeah,
1: of course. I mean, I, I think Instagram is going to be the best way to find me. So if you want to look up at the Indian Body Coach Uh, And you'll see all my work on there. That's where I post predominantly my information. Um, In terms of the Lean Indian Academy, it's a really exciting time for the academy because we're relaunching the whole membership kind of site. Um, Originally, when we set it up, we had a kind of transformation uh, basis towards it. So trying to help people transform. But I think we've switched gears a little bit on it because we've realized just how powerful education is and how important it is to get people to actually understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, rather than just telling people what to do. So we call it the Education Society, so the LIA, um, that's the abbreviation, obviously, LIA Learning into Action. where we'll give you all the tools, but we'll also explain what to do, how to apply them and why they work. And it's just an incredible place to be a part of a community that wants to move forwards, that wants to progress as a team. But yeah, the the new look Lean Indian Academy be, will be launching in July. So I'm really looking forward to that, man.
0: Awesome, mate. It sounds absolutely fantastic what you're doing. You've really kind of honed in on who you want to work with. And and like you said, there's, there's a lot of education out there needed for people, especially within potentially the Indian community. Like you mentioned before, there was a lack of education for you to really hone in on that and, give out the quality information that you do. It's it's brilliant to see. And like I said, that's the reason why I wanted you to come on the podcast today to talk about fat loss culture because, like I say, it really is all about helping people understand more about health and fitness in general and actually give them the right information that's not just there to scam people and just give them tools that they're going to have for the rest of their life, so they don't need to keep reinvesting in shit all the time Hopefully people that join your Lean Indian Academy will take enough away to never, ever need help again.
1: Absolutely, man. And the only reason people will stick around is because of just how incredible the community is. And just the fact that we get so many experts coming through. I've mentioned Dr. Harbinder, who who comes and talks about psychology. Then we've got uh, Jyoti Patel, who's actually the head of cardiovascular research. She's been working at Oxford University for a while and, You know, like we have such an incredible team. We have so many incredible guest speakers coming in and talking about different topics around Indian lifestyle and health. Like that's why people stick around and that's why it's such a fantastic community.
0: Yeah, that's class, mate. Continued education, people. Again, same time. Yeah, you want people to get the skills to go away that will last them forever. But at the same time, same with clients that I see one-to-one that I've been seeing for a long time. They just want to stay around because they're always learning something new. They've got me on hand to help them whenever they need it. And at the end of the day, that's also a fantastic thing as well. Yeah, man. Juggy, thank you very much for coming on, mate. I really, really appreciate your time, pal. I know that you're busy. And I hope it all goes well with the Lean Indian Academy. And I'm sure it will. And I'll speak to you very soon. And we'll have to get you on again in the future to talk about other stuff. Because there's so much we could talk about. (laughs)
1: Absolutely, bro. Now, I appreciate it again and take care, man. Thank you. Thank
0: you.